everybody to Slip Angle Show. I'm Austin Cabot. I'm Adam Jabay. And I'm Abe Schmucker. The oh, sausage king of Schmuckers. On, guys. Who? Look at that. We all, talk, we all talk on each other all at the same time. Yeah, that'll happen. Oh, well. I, I have to start the show off by apologizing about the Cummins diesel noise that you'll be hearing for the next little while. Uh, you shouldn't the, apologize uh, for that. I think uh, our listeners probably, I mean, are into a, it. That's a welcome addition. Yeah, I'm gonna pull over and plug my recorder in because now the I think the cold batteries uh, are like not batteries anymore, and now it's down to like nothing again. So That's I just realized all of us all of us have diesel vehicles. We do, we do. Wow. Some of them are more reliable than others. That is true. I think uh, Adams is probably the most. Mine is like in the middle, and then yours is the least reliable. Definitely. Mine's doing pretty good you, lately. Yeah. For those of you that don't know, Abe earlier this year bought a Jeep Grand Cherokee diesel and has been having all tons of issues with it. And uh, things just kind of pile up. I'm pretty sure I've got more work to do uh, next time I feel like taking it to the dealership. Yeah, we've definitely talked about it. It, uh, it <laughs> the. There's been several. Uh, there's been several several listeners who have uh, brought it up. Uh, is uh, at the, at round five, his Jeep was there, and they're like, "Holy crap, Abe's Jeep made it!" <laughs> and I towed what a 28 foot uh, travel trailer in the process. Yeah, like so the when it's good, it's thing. great. But when it sucks, man, that's yeah. all the time. So it's kind of like an Evo. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think we all basically just own old crap at this point. But so, pretty much, uh, Abe yeah. Abe owns the newest stuff. Yeah, it's still yeah. garbage, but it is newer. <laughs> yeah, just varying ages of garbage. That's all. Yeah. Well, I felt I felt bad because I know like a couple months ago, Andy Hollis had posted that their new RV has been having some issues. Oh, really? And yeah, I think it went back to went back to Winnebago. What kind of stuff? Uh, I don't really know. I think they were having issues with the fridge and a couple other things. Oh, okay. Not, not but like, I got to thinking not, about it. Not Mercedes you know, mine's, problems. The one I bought from from him and Ann, it's a 2011, which means it was kind of built during the recession Yeah. when they yep. weren't probably building a lot of them. That's probably true. So there's yeah. probably a little bit more attention to detail because the thing, even now at 176, 177,000 miles, not a squeak or a rattle from the interior at all. Yeah, I wonder if he bought his uh, or one of his was built like on a Friday or something too. I mean, I I know you can throw an RV together in a day like you did with yours. <laughs> I got a few more a few more than one day into mine, but in yeah. terms of uh, utility per dollar, I think that Adam's RV is probably like the best one on the planet. Dude, yeah, eight eight thousand oh, yeah. bucks, and it, and it's driven twenty thousand miles to good life events, like with no with no big issues. And it's been a hotel for literally dozens of people. Yeah, I slept in it. Over 30 nights, both the, uh, last year and this year. Hey, Abe, you know what's funny? No. Adam's RV and my RV are both more reliable than your daily driver. That's true. <laughs> so uh, I, ch I changed the oil in it uh, like a week and a half ago, and uh, it looks like I might have a, real, uh, a rear main seal problem because uh, I got a little bit of drip on the very back of the, um, the engine block, and the oil yeah. pan was just redone. Uh, also, I'm losing coolant, which to me suggests, or from what I've read on the internet, is uh, the EGR cooler can burn coolant and you don't know where the leak is. Oh, so, huh. We'll see how those things go. Uh, you might want to make sure it's topped off. That's for sure. Uh, I'm keeping an eye on it. It's, 
it seems like like all the major modern diesel problems, uh, like on on six liter power strokes, and it's on all like, from emissions bull. Dude, crap. it's all EGRs and emissions. Like that's all it is, man. Yeah, um, I don't. Like I don't know how it's that hard to engineer because those most same of your companies have, have to been... supply components to like you know yeah. long haul type trucks, and those have to be a hundred percent reliable all the time. But they're not the new ones. Like everything with the DEF systems and stuff, it's all they're not nearly as reliable. So. It's screwing everything up. Yeah, the EGR coolers and DEF systems. That stuff is. Uh, uh, there's a reason that people delete it like on everything. Because they're rebellious. Yeah. It, it, like most of your big issues, time frame for repair-wise, have been related to that stuff, too. Definitely. So. I mean, it's like when you were a kid and you got a new bike and you took all the reflectors off because it looks stupid. Yeah. Abe, Abe needs to put some, some baseball cards in his spokes, dude. <laughs> I think that's a great idea. <laughs> yeah, totally. Now, totally. if I wasn't... Uh, you know, bleeding Chrysler Drive for warranty repair, I'd probably do all those delete things. But yeah, as long as it continues to be serviced, it's, you know, I just kind of got to keep things as is. Now, yeah. do they give you a loaner when they have it? Yeah. Um, they facilitate something through Enterprise. That's oh, okay. kind of nice. But it's, it's kind of a pain in the neck because part of the service contract is uh, you have to be driving a Chrysler vehicle, which means that if I call Enterprise and they don't have something, they have to, like, find something. <laughs> they have to rent your really? Chrysler vehicle? Correct. No way. Way. What do they care? It's part of the contract. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's so bizarre. You know, with, with how much that thing's been in the shop and how much they paid for rentals, they could have probably just given you another one and so that you always have one that works and one that's in the shop. Uh, that's actually pretty close. It's, yeah, uh, you right now totally we're have at, two of those. Right now we're at $12,500 worth of work this year. Oh, yep. God. So, that's insanity, uh, dude. It's insane. Uh, well, and that's you know me not taking it in for the last bits of things that I've noticed. So oh, it's so much money. <laughs> yeah, one of the um, one of the drivers from I think Arizona. I think he lives in Arizona. Um, he drove all the way out to Grid Life um, South. Brian Damneck. He has like a Laguna Seca Blue um, oh, E46 yeah. M3. Yeah, I saw I saw his post about a truck. What happened with yeah. this truck? Yeah. So a couple weeks ago when we were at. Uh, at Buttonwillow, he was on his way out, and his Eco Diesel um, Dodge Ram 1500 died, like yeah. in Blythe, like not even halfway from Phoenix to L.A. Like Ugh. really died, though, right? Yeah, like left it essentially stranded on the side of the, or on the side of the road, or at like a dealership or something. Yeah, it, well, that, it, I think I saw something about it sitting at a Chevy dealership, which I don't think they're going to do any warranty work there. <laughs> no, probably not. Well, no. uh, the same thing happened to Michael Puglisi on the way down to Road Atlanta. He uh, he like I, I think the exhaust system burned a hole through the um, the the def hose that runs from the tank to the injector. And uh, it gives you, like, a countdown in the number of miles that you can drive before it totally locks the vehicle down. Yeah, it'll put it – yeah, it'll, it won't let it start. And he got it to the track, but then they had to, like, order a bunch of parts to actually get it fixed. So he left his, his entire rig with Tony Fuentes and oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. did a, like, you know, last-second uh, flight down to Atlanta to pick up the fixed truck and trailer – um, and drive it to like long haul straight to speed ring. Yeah, huh. it was like two. It was almost like two months that it that it sat there. Wow, are you serious? Yeah, it was down there until speed ring. Uh, That's no, crazy. it was a month. It was a month. There was about a month Holy between those. Holy crap! Right? 
Um, and then, now, yeah, he, he showed up at Speed Ring and hadn't slept for like 30 hours. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, he has like a GP for the event. Also, so. <laughs> yeah, before the event. Man, that's crazy. So, uh, I, I wonder, I think the only person that I know that's had relatively good luck with one of those is um, Chris Tuttle. Yeah, uh, that's, oh, that's his what I was thinking, too. too. He has uh, the Ram EcoDiesel. Yeah, I didn't know his was a diesel. Yep. Is that is that uh, is the Ram uh, the same engine as the, as yeah, the Jeep? It's like yeah, the it's like the 3-liter VM Motori. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Like, supposedly that engine is amazing. Um, mm-hmm. But, like, yeah, all the crap that everybody bolts onto it is suspect, like, from I mean, all the, the different I mean, it's the same way the, the Ford 6-liter was. It's actually, like, a really technologically advanced motor. It's oh, just, yeah, man. Yeah. You know, it's everything else that they had to put on it to make it meet emissions. Yeah, my 6-liter my had nothing but problems with ECU. Uh, the head gaskets went because the EGR would just eat coolant. All of a sudden, like, in one drive, you lost 12 quarts of coolant or whatever. I wonder um, how much actual revenue has been generated by crappy diesel emissions from repairs. Oh, probably billions. It has to be in the billions. It's oh, yeah, got to be definitely. in the billions. Yeah, so it's I, just I like think, engineered faulty parts. Well, unfortunately, though, it's 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 probably making these these uh, manufacturers not want to you know build diesel engines, and that's why you're seeing a lot of cars that or a lot of vehicles just. Diesels just aren't a thing anymore. Well, yeah, like, well, I mean, the whole TDI scandal thing kind of saltied it in the like yeah. the public's brains. Well, yeah. like I, I guess I understand, uh, you know, in the passenger vehicle market, that a hybrid electric vehicle is is more favorable, kind of pretty much all the time. Um, yeah. You know, the TDI diesels, uh, Jettas, and whatever for driving on the highway, fuel economy was great, but the electric is almost as good. Um, but if you're towing anything, there, like the, there is no comparison, and it is the superior system. Yeah, and the other thing is long-term reliability too. For the most part, like you know, diesel motors are built for the long haul, look quite literally. But you know, the the actual in-service time of diesel vehicles is much longer than a regular gasoline vehicle, and most I likely electric lo- vehicles. Yeah, too. a lot of that comes down to its compression ignition. So like. The thing is basically living off a detonation, so everything's got to be strong, and yeah. then and then generally they don't make nearly as much heat uh, as like a gasoline engine. Like they just don't get crazy hot. Um, so you know everything is you know the the heat cycles are drastically different, like 50, 60 degrees difference uh, from like a, a hot gas engine to a hot diesel engine. Uh, as far as you know, surface temperatures on things. And I wonder but, if the diesel blend that we have in the states varies that much from the diesel that they run in Europe, because that VM Moturi motor was obviously designed to run on European diesel. Probably not that much. Um, I we get I know we that, you know the, we have a the sulfur, sulfur content. Blend. Yeah, the sulfur content is the only thing really. Mm-hmm. But uh, I mean, you can run a diesel. There's a lot of people running the the five nine Cummins, the piece of crap oh, yeah, I'm the driving old right ones. now. The they, old they ones. drive the they run those things like fully successfully on anything. Like yeah, but so. you can't do that with with like common rail diesels though. No, probably probably not as easily at least. Yeah, I I think it gums up the system and you just have issues all around. In so any much sort of, of common uh, rail. Yeah, so much of like the vegetable oil thing though is like getting your temperature right and stuff like that with mm-hmm. with veg. From what I've read, I've never actually played with it, but. Yeah, that uh, that stuff is that's that's kind of fun to read about, but man, that's too much work. 
I remember just, the first the... time the first time I ever saw anything on like running on like veggie oil. I think it was do you remember Dave Stacy from Power Block? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. He was they were like installing a system in a truck and then they had like a a garage system where they could essentially bring in waste oil and like filter it out and make yep. their own biodiesel. That's the first time I ever saw it. Yeah, and I thought it was the coolest thing ever. It's it's incredible what people have uh, have ran diesels on though. But yeah, and that was uh, probably I saw that maybe twenty years ago, and it's probably people have probably been doing it for thirty or forty. Oh yeah, uh, back in like the sixties and seventies, there were multi fuel. Um, uh, Military vehicles, like they, you can oh, almost yeah. run, you can almost run them on anything. Well, that's the way the uh, the deuce and a half is, I think. Oh yeah, you can pretty much like run thing, it on anything. You can <laughs> run it on literally anything. You can put you know uh, Coleman fuel, Coleman like lamp oil in it and stuff like that. It's nuts. And it gets four miles to the gallon no matter what, <laughs> just with whatever you put into it. Yep. Anything that'll explode when you make it hot or hot enough, it'll uh, it'll. But run. I mean, all all that stuff was designed in a time like you know during the Cold War when they didn't know what was going to happen. You know, we yeah, might only have whale all, blubber to you know, be able to like melt down and, and low, put in those power things. And, but uh, well, yeah, not well, uh, not to steer us so, away from diesels, but that I have a uh, a thought that's kind of related to that. Um, okay. When you think about uh, track cars and whatever the the future looks like for track cars. I guess I'm of the opinion that I think that like mid 2000s and earlier is probably the like the high water mark for exactly what you want a track car to be. And um, think about the technology that's in like a brand new M3, for example. Um, yeah, you know, it's too what, crazy. At what point is it going to be a dirty, cheap, reliable vehicle? I don't know that that's ever going to be true. Well, and if um, you look at some of the traction control systems now too, like. That some of that stuff can make it dangerous to drive on track. You know? Yeah, uh, it, it. Yeah, we we might we might have seen like the some of the last amazing cheap track cars. See, Abe, I thought you were going somewhere else with uh, you know with modern vehicles and types of fuel such as electric because of yeah. current events. But uh, I guess that's not where you were going. So that's uh, a Abe discussion and I, Abe for and I were talking time. about rules today. Uh, we did. And yeah. We did. We did talk about uh, we kind of finalized the rules for next year, um, and we so, talked about electric vehicles. And this is this is so. for for grid life for those that don't know. Yep. So importantly, in light of recent events, both Adam and I agree that uh, it's you know not our pig, not our farm kind of situation. But at the same time, uh, if I were reading uh, competitive rule books, I don't. I'm not of the opinion that electricity counts as fuel. Yeah. And so, to me, that's not an an electric vehicle is not an alternative fuel uh, fuel vehicle. It's simply a vehicle without an internal combustion engine. Yeah, I, I that's a it's such a kind of the beauty of uh, of the time attack rule set, like with global time attack um, and with grid life and with uh, even with like SCCA time trial nationals is like the rules aren't. You know, there's still gray areas because they're newer rules, and and our you know our rules are kind of simple, on purpose, um, and by design. And like, it's actually a lot of work to make the rules simple. It'd be easier to just write 20 more pages of restrictions. Well, um, and and I feel but, very, very strongly that the gray area is what makes it fun, in part yeah. for competitors, right? So I, I, I think um, that that could have been an arguable thing, um, but. 
I, I could see the uh, I could see the call in any direction, you know, yay or nay for for what what they had to deal with with the electric yeah. car. Um, well, I mean, it's it's one of those things that you know it was just kind of a you know a foresight that they didn't have. Yeah. Uh, so it, just like a, a couple years ago when we were at, um, I was running with GTA at uh, NOLA on my way yeah. back from California. And Joe Ippolito showed up and was running, I can't remember if he was running street class or enthusiast class, but it said you needed a passenger seat. He, and oh, he yeah. didn't have a passenger seat. And I was like, well, dude, you got like a freaking folding chair right there. Why don't you just put that thing in there and zip tie it down? Yep. And Tony made the call. He goes, well, you know, I got to hand it to you. Like, you know, that is a passenger seat. It. It's not exactly what we meant, but I'll let it run this time. Right. Uh, but I'm definitely changing the rules for next season. Well, and yeah. I, we've had people show up to our events with, like, uh, a Kirky installed in the passenger seat, which, you know, is an, an ultralight option for any kind of seat. And it's, it's probably more permanent than a lawn chair, but at the same time, it's, you know, it's not an OEM seat. The, there was that one picture of a Kirky that had been, like, 100% Swiss cheese to like it was not safe to sit in anymore. <laughs> uh, I think that was GTA Super Lab Battle last year and it was like bolted in correctly and there was like belts and stuff I think but right. it was it was like one th- it, it, it was just like like the, the it was just just the shell of the Kirky and it was completely Swiss cheese with, with holes but well I mean that's what uh, that's kind of what I love about racing like everyone's always trying to find a way to build a better mousetrap but yeah. also kind of take advantage yeah. of it a little bit building the better mousetrap is always like the, the exercise yeah. in so I mean, many if of you, these classes if you go back and listen to our show we did at PRI last year with Jeff Brown I mean that's yeah. pretty much what that whole show was about <laughs> yeah like <laughs> cheating but not cheating because that's yeah. what racing Racers do, you know. Yeah. Intorturation of the intorturation of the rules is is it's kind of fun. Well, and I'm guilty of this as much as uh, a bunch of other people. But people will spend an extraordinary amount of money on a lightweight component, this or that. But at the same time, uh, not going to eating gym. cheeseburgers. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I like <laughs> cheeseburgers. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah, dude. Tacos and booze is so fun. <laughs> well, it's funny. Like sometimes I'll I'll order a coffee at Starbucks. And uh, I'll get light whipped cream, and they'll be like, oh, I'm sorry, we don't have any, like, sugar-free caramel. And I'm like, well, that's what the light whipped cream offsets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'll happen. The, uh, yeah, I, I don't know, I, I think uh, even with, like, a spec class, like Spec Miata, uh, you see the length that people go to build, like, a perfect wheel bearing or, like, a perfect BP 1.8 liter or like um, this year, you saw what happened at the NASA event, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. With like modified CV axles. Yeah, that literally yeah. just like ovalizing the CV for less drag. Although yeah, some so people guess, argue, people are arguing that that's just like a poor quality, like generic reman axle. But yeah, yeah. To me, I don't it think seems that like lost um, anybody anything, spec it racing makes it even more expensive. Because people are always going to want to go for that performance edge, but mm-hmm. the the narrower uh, the rules allow you to play, the more expensive it is to get the advantage. It seems. Well, but the well, advantages where... are also so small. Like the back marker spec Miata is like only like a second off of the winner, you know. Um, and that's where like that series, like the TDI Cup that was running like in 09, 08, 09, 2010, somewhere in there, was really kind of smart because. The people that raced those cars didn't actually physically have them. They were all maintained by Volkswagen. Yep. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's almost that's almost the only way to to keep costs fixed in racing, because racers will figure out how to piss away fifty grand, regardless of the rule set. Yeah, and I mean, I I'd, I'd love to see another series like that come about. The only problem is it takes a lot of money to bankroll from a manufacturer. Yeah, um, I don't know. Like uh, with with SpecFit and us, I am always interested in uh, what it would look like if every driver that competed in SpecFit competed in the exact same vehicle. The exact same vehicle or the exact same like build of vehicle. I mean, if you if time allowed, it would be cool to use the same vehicle, or at yeah, least but like then there's the like finals there's tires, or something. There's tires. There's just there's different conditions. Um, you know, there's just there's a lot of of difference that can go on. That's true. So, yeah, I just learned something new. What'd you learn? That when uh, somebody calls me on this on the telephone, that it drops off the call, which is annoying. <laughs> you used we're, to call me on my cell phone. Yeah, well, we're using uh, we're we're not using a, a telephone for for this call. We're using Messenger. And uh, yeah, my dad just called, and I lost you. Nah, <laughs> but I'm. Well, you should probably like turn off notifications or something, and then maybe it won't bother you. Yeah, we'll see. I just texted him, told me, told him to leave me alone. I'll talk to him later. If you had an iPhone, you could put it on Do Not Disturb. Well, I don't have an iPhone. <laughs> I mean, it's a lot easier. We know how like technology illiterate you are. I don't know anything about iPhones. I already I mean, know about these. Like my 85-year-old grandfather knows how to work his iPhone better yeah. than you know how to work your Android. Your 35-year-old podcast co-host doesn't know how to work anything. So. <laughs> uh, I'm getting better, though. I'm getting better at it. Uh, I tell that to myself in order in order to make myself not cry at night, but I'm getting better at it. <laughs> so uh, we're recording this the day before Thanksgiving. I think it'll come out the day after Thanksgiving. So uh, happy Black Friday to everybody. That's racist, dude. Ah, uh, sorry. <laughs> Happy multinational, multicultural Friday, everybody. Go spend some money. Thanks, yeah. buddy. Um, I don't know. I think I have to buy another Xbox. So uh, a couple of years ago, Ashley bought me one for Christmas, and I, I bet I have 10 hours of playtime on it since since I've owned it because, obviously, we I work my regular job, and then I work for Good Life, and then I try and fix up my house, and there is no time for anything. Right. Um, and you want to have kids, so you definitely are glutton for punishment as far as time goes. Pretty much. Um, yeah. And so uh, I, I had like a few hours um, uh, one Sunday morning a few weeks ago, and I turned it on, and it like it powered on, and it made all the funny beeps and whirs and all the all of that, but like it wasn't sending signal to the TV. And uh, I took it to the Windows Store and had them try and diagnose it, and they were like, "Yep, it's broken." Um, it's out of warranty. Uh, you're just going to have to buy another one. <laughs> they won't fix it? <laughs> well, it was going to be like $200 to fix or 300 to buy a new one. Oh, and I was like, they And they weren't going to like basically warranty their work. And I was like, well, this doesn't make any sense. So yeah. why don't you fix it yourself? How? Just go on YouTube, man. I'm sure somebody's yeah. fixed it. Or there's probably there's that company called iFixit. You could probably go there. This is not a, a plug for iFixit, but maybe I don't know. Like they they have guides. Like they sell you the parts and the tools, and then they give you like a video guide on how to do it. See, here's the thing though. With as infrequently as I play, spending any money seems like kind of a waste. And I always translate those dollars into like horsepowers or tires. You already for... got all the horsepowers. You don't need any more of those. I wish I had more. Oh, speaking of which. Um... 
Well, you probably wanted, you were probably turned on to the Xbox thing by uh, by Game Night, right? That was fun. Correct. Um, the, speaking of real cars, uh, your car is like working again. What happened? Yeah. Uh, so I did some, some data logs, and with my tuner, we did some uh, remote tuning, which is funny because he's also based in Indianapolis, but is very busy, so it's almost impossible for us to connect in person. Yeah. Uh, he he made some some dark magic changes uh, based on the data logs, and now it makes all the horsepowers again. Yeah, you were on you were like missing five to ten pounds of boost or something, and you couldn't yeah. find any leaks anywhere. And yeah, it uh, and like you know it, when it was when it was on like max power, it's basically like five twenty five or so on a dyno jet, which is to me it's a lot. Um, yeah, and, I drove it. It's a lot. <laughs> and, it's a lot. Uh, like when I was going out to do the logs, it felt fast, but not like, oh man, that's a lot fast, you know? And uh, so based on the logs, we made some adjustments and now it's back to being almost overwhelming. Yeah. Well, when I drove it down to you, um, it was it was probably 50 degrees that day. Uh, that that thing, it, it wasn't even on full ethanol. It was like on a 50-50 mix of gasoline and ethanol. Um and it's got like a, a, a sensor in there for that, but like the flex, uh, the flex fuel stuff. Yeah, yep. yeah. It's yeah. Mine, nice. mine's like a full flex setup. Dude, nice. I couldn't believe how fast from a roll that stupid thing is. It's so bonkers, man. It's crazy. Ah, uh, five hundred horsepower is so cool. It's it's too much. When I think about like going on track, I'm not skilled enough to be able to handle that to to the limit of its ability. Yeah, I, I I don't envy the guys with 800 horsepower and no traction control. Like that seems just insane. Uh, but uh, huh, glad I'm glad the Tom O'Gormans of the world are having fun with it. But I don't. It's not, <laughs> not for me. Tom's speaking, and Andy's and yeah. So speaking of super lap battle just happened, and there was uh, the showcase in the unlimited all-wheel drive category was was pretty impressive actually. Oh man, it was a, it looked like a good battle. It was uh, it was fun to watch the. Uh, the last session especially. Yeah, I mean, uh, so Tom was driving the Professional Awesome Evo, and uh, I, as far as I know, that was his uh, first um, spot in the driver's seat in a high horsepower, in this case is like high as, I don't know, 800, something like that. Uh, yeah, I think high- the highest he'd ever been in was uh, Kendall Samuel's car at like 600, and then your car after that. Right. So his first opportunity in a big aero, big power car. And, um, you know, much like we suspected, he got into the driver's seat and was instantly comfortable and went out and did, I think, like a a 41 or a 42 right away. And then from there, the next hot lap was like a a 38, I think. I mean, it was just like instantly, you know, at pace. And for them, I think that was great because... Uh, Professional Awesome has had a, a really rough go of uh, luck at that event, and so it was awesome to see them finally get what they were they were going after. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he Tom Tom told me afterwards that he thinks the car easily has like thirty sixes, thirty fives in it. Like, like he he thinks his his lap was that far off. But I'm uh, I'm curious to see how the car does uh, if he's driving it again. I would love to see him drive that yeah. thing again. I, the car, I hope the he car's gets to so drive cool. it again too. It's so it's so like like garage built like it's just three buddies that build this thing and but it's so well done too it's just well, an impressive like, car you know 
I understand, and I think we all do too, that um, you know those guys have a tiny, tiny budget. But the reason that their car is fast is just because they're smart and they they spend hours and hours and hours in development, right? So yeah. they can't just buy all the parts. They just like they build something that fits their needs. Yeah, I and then you compare it to like uh, uh, the. Um, the Subaru that that Richard Boak was driving, and that thing is like equally impressive. A little like, and and they've they've had so much time developing that car, and it looks so subtle. Uh, but man, these these unlimited time attack cars are they're freaking bonkers, man. It's yeah, it's they, ridiculous. Like, and then they're all like four cylinder engines. I don't know why these guys aren't putting like six cylinders or eight cylinders in these things yeah. it's got to be so much easier to make power with more cylinders like yeah if you're going to turbocharge it anyway i really don't like the the logic of of using a small two or three liter engine just it, it seems painful yeah yeah I'm, I'm, and how I'm, about I'm, how about richard boke and the can jam guys coming down and just slaying it man so fast They're, yeah and still only like just a tiny bit faster than pro awesome yeah, um, and that was, you know, it was, I, watching the in-car video that they posted, though, that car looks so planted. Oh, it's unbelievable. That car so is... So planted. It's it's the same thing with the video from Speed Ring. Um, the car, the car is just so dialed, man. Do you, do yeah, you know what trans is in that thing, Abram? I do not. It's a sequential of some sort. I don't know what brand it is, but... It, it's, uh, I mean, it's it's just an amazing setup, and it's kind of a marvel of you know technology at, um, I don't know this competition level. I like they're not a pro team, but they're as close to pro as you can get. I, I, it's hard to describe their their team, but they've they've really put thought into every single thing that they do. And I mean, yeah. when it, when it comes to time attack, are there really any like professional level time attack teams in North America? I, I mean, I that's mean, as not, close as not, it comes. Not really, yeah. But really, it's just a sh it's a shop that like just works on this car a lot, um, and then brings a bunch of buddies out, and then the dude who basically pays for the car happens to be really, really freaking fast. Yeah. And they go do race car things. Like it's not watching, like there's giant money behind it. Watching exterior video of that thing coming through bus stop at Button Willow. Yeah, it looks like one of the fastest things I've ever seen through that part of the track. I, I think that car's got around 800 horsepower too. I think um, that's about right. Yeah, but it seems like right now that's just about the magic number for everybody. Uh, I, th it seems like well, I, all the I, Evos and I, I think even Will's car is kind of in that range. Do you, now, do yeah. you think that's like the Goldilocks power level? For a time well, attack car, how how much more do you get before you just ex start exploding everything else? You know, um, I don't know. I mean, at that point, I think you need more displacement before you like. I don't know how much more you can get out of a two to three liter engine. Uh, well, even any, with like a, even with like a, like an LS, like Cody from Love Fab um, or whatever he calls himself now, uh, they they can't run very long. They couldn't run very very long with that LS in the yeah. NV8. Because there just wasn't the cooling capability. Like, they got a couple minutes, and that's it. I mean, it. do you, think, do you yeah. think for, like, I guess, aero limitations and stuff on what you can do with aero, that 800 horsepower perfectly balances or gets as close and perfect to balance with the aero that's currently available and able to be run in some of these classes? you got to think that more power, if you can put it down and not blow things up, is, like, always better. Yeah. Um, 
Well, and that's and probably really the limitation is putting it down and bl- not blowing things up. Like right now, right. I would imagine that's kind of the, the problem. But and you guys know that I have a tendency to to overthink things. But uh, really, uh, really, I mean, never. If, as as we kind of talk through this, you can think about you know reducing your lap time. There are basically three ways you can do it. One is uh, you can go faster in the corners. Uh, two is you can go faster in the straights. Or th- Three, you just reduce your minimum speed through those corners, I guess. Like, you're, you're either chasing average speed or you're chasing higher top speeds. And it seems like the easier route for a lot of things is it's just fig- figuring out how to bring your average speed up a little. Yeah. Right? Because, like, you know, I don't know that we're going to see anytime soon a car hit 200 on the back straight at Road Atlanta. Well, it was. Uh, we're seeing them approach. We've seen them approach 190, but that yeah, last ten, that, that last 10 miles an hour, man, that's that's, that's a, a lot, lot of extra. That's a drag lot to, to push find through. without stretching <laughs> yeah. the road out. You know? Yeah, I mean that's that's a lot of just aerodynamic limits there, not even just horsepower limits. Yeah, aerodynamic and uh, I mean it's it really is a pretty short straightaway to be hitting 190 coming out of turn seven. You know what? What do you think? What do you think most cars are? The higher higher arrow cars. The, what are they coming out at? Like 50, 60? something like that. Yeah, on to the straightaway. It's it's not that fast, but now what do you what do you think would happen if you like built a bubble from the front of the hood to the roof of the car, almost like a bullet train? How much effect do you think that would have? Uh, probably, I mean, it would be probably less because than you still a bullet cooling. train silhouette. Yeah, I, th- I think uh, I think I think it would be less effect than you than you'd think. Yeah. Um, taking well, and a, I'm not so trying to give everyone ideas, is, but it would seem like there's there's open opportunity in the unlimited rule book where people can start to get uh, pull from I guess racing history and to start to do really weird things with downforce and I'm I'm still eager to see it. Yeah, I, I would love to see more cars uh, really put more thought into lowering the drag, though. That drag coefficient is a lot of these cars are still based on like economy passenger cars. You know, there's a lot of frontal area in some of these cars, um, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, if you uh, can make the car more more slippery, yeah, that's that's you know, what, never what bad. What race car was it where they were like where there were fans mounted on the underneath of the car that would like suck the car down to the ground. That's uh, kind of what Sha- I was referring Chaparral? to. The Chaparral. Yeah. 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 Yeah, if you did something like that, that'd be super sick. Yeah. More in, fan in, cars in unlimited. In in 07 uh, when we went down to the GRM 2007 challenge, um, there was I don't know if you remember the videos of it or the pictures of it, but there was a uh, a, four, a C4 Corvette that some dudes had pulled and they won with it. They pulled it out of a swamp um, and they had a snowmobile engine in the passenger seat uh, and that was hooked up to a a turbine off of something Um, and they had like a a skirt with little casters built that that hung down from the car and when they fired up the snowmobile engine like this, this tower of dust shot straight up and the car dropped two inches. It was awesome. <laughs> it was, was freaking so cool, dude. <laughs> it's like a, like a reverse hovercraft, essentially. Yeah, it was so cool. Uh, and they, they used it. They fired it up during uh, during the autocross, obviously, and then didn't use it during the, the, the drag race. But mm-hmm. uh, it had, like, the, the most ghetto turbocharged, like, 350. It was, like, an 84. I think it had the Doug Nash... Uh, 
uh, four speed plus two other gears or four plus three or whatever trans that was. Um, you know, that'd be interesting. What if you what if you had four of those like turbine fans, one at each corner of the car, and you could somehow tie it into like the steering angle of the car? You could vary so you the could, uh, the suction. Yeah. Yeah, and then when you're on the accelerator, just kind of like it's not as much. So you you know, that'd be interesting. Yeah, it, well, it's it, as at a certain point I'm, it comes down to like overheating tires too at high speed. You couldn't really use that 180 miles an hour, you know. Right. Um, I don't think you'd want to anyway. It would probably no, you slow you down to. more. It'd slow you down more than anything. Yeah. Well, and I'd like to see. Um, you know, I'm pretty sure that it is currently allowed. We in unlimited class we would allow active arrow, right? And I, I, I know that Professional Awesome did a couple of videos a while back where they had actuators on the rear wing. But that area at the moment is largely untouched, right? It would be great if you could take a, a note out of Formula One's book and start to build this DRS-type thing that on the straights you had minimal drag, but then in the corners it would go back to the way you wanted. So but, Modi, Modi from Blackbird Fabworks had actually yeah, I was just something say like that. that up. Yeah, yeah, yeah on, a, on a Miata. It was really cool. You could change the angle of attack on the wing um, when you were going down the straightaway just by holding a button down. He just posted some pictures, I think, of that car or of another car. I think um, it's the same car with, that he's with done more insane, work to. Yeah, insane blue roll cage and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Just such a br- such a beautifully built car. I mean, I'm not a Miata guy, but that thing was that thing's incredible. So yeah, there's there's a lot of cool stuff out there that you know. People just need to think outside the box a little bit more. I thought a lot about it when I had my CRX because I put a wing on the back of it uh, the last year I had it. Um, I thought a lot about um, like testing the mounts on it also to like only you know to try to figure out how much downforce it could make, um, and then to make the mounts just strong enough to where the where the uh, the wing laid back you know at at a hundred pounds of downforce or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Uh, uh, I, I, I didn't get around to developing it because I didn't like I didn't like the car with all the weight in it because of the engine and I sold it. <laughs> but um, you're not allowed to have any kind of pivoting mounts in STL, but uh, it doesn't say a lot about the structural integrity of the mounts. Yeah, um, it's a, a gray area. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Um, it's the uh, the the RV doesn't uh, doesn't have a wing, but I've also thought about having a uh, kind of a, a drag reduction spoiler on the top of my RV, also. <laughs> so dude, it look it looks so awesome, dude. Yeah, like coming off the roof of it, just kind of extend it. Uh, and then run about- run a stack out the back too, so all the smoke you can watch the smoke like go over it. Yeah, get, get it. <laughs> That's uh, a great idea. But like <laughs> the big sick. the big thing with like a big cube like that or a big you know rectangle is it's it's got this big tunnel of air behind it that you're just it's just tumbling that whole air. vacuum yeah you've got yeah. that whole vacuum behind you and really so much about fuel efficiency on these big trucks isn't a, and you know you see it a lot with with over the road trucks it's not really about how you take the air apart in front of you i mean some of it is but it's more about how you put the air back together behind the vehicle you know um well in your case it would be tricky because you have to like uh, you'd have to have a setup that would be when you're not pulling a trailer and one when you are, right? Because the, yeah, the you'd, arrow... you'd almost have to have it on t- on the back of the trailer too. But right. I think just like a sheet of aluminum, like slightly tapering down um, in the back, and with jeez, oh, hard railroad tracks here. With some why don't you uh, why don't some you like just, sides on it? But. Why don't you just model like what you whatever you want to do after what they have on the back of eighteen wheelers, like on the back of the actual. Um, 
the actual like trailer chassis. Yeah, my brother, my brother and I have been talking about it. He he built a small wind tunnel, and then when he designed his Aero teardrop trailer, he kind of designed it in that. It's like a, a, a scale, like like one eighteenth scale. Um, but uh, with, I think so much of it just is the air coming off the top. And if I if I had a spoiler that came back about four feet, um, it would kind of it, it basically effectively lessens the the area that uh, that you know, kind of the, the the vacuum effect behind it. Um, I don't know how to how to describe it, but you know what I'm talking about. It, it's pulling on the spoiler, which is tiny, versus pulling on this whole back half of the truck so much. But um, and you know, for those for those big trucks, you know, everything that they do, it uh, it increases efficiency. Probably not a huge percentage, but when you consider that they might have a fleet of a thousand trucks oh, yeah. that are Millions getting of dollars a quarter, a year. A quarter yeah. of a mile better per gallon. Yeah, so many of these know, trucks are put, they're putting a thousand bucks in fuel in these things like every four days. You know. Yeah. Um, but I don't know the I don't I'm I'm not really all that educated on drag reduction, but we drag should, reduction uh, is a it's we a should big talk deal, to man. Mike Lewin about aerodynamic design of RVs. Yeah, that's a good idea. I would love to talk to Mike about that. <laughs> Mike, say- Mike from Professional Awesome. <laughs> Watch, Adam's going to have, like, a diffuser underneath the back of the thing next. And, Hell yeah, like, man. I'm going to get seven miles per gallon on that thing. That's going to have some some canards, too. The, the depressing thing about it is, like, a 20% jump in, like, fuel economy in that thing. It's only, like, 1.5 miles to the gallon. Yeah, it would still be <laughs> shit fuel economy. <laughs> it would still be, like, the worst thing in the world. When I was pulling the yeah. uh, the big travel trailer at round five, I, I only pulled it from, like, the South Bend area to South Haven and back. Yeah. Um, but it was getting like, I don't know, maybe nine, ten miles per gallon, maybe. It's and, a bitch, man. Uh, well, uh, you know, like I, I would not want to figure out what it would do with a gas engine. But was that with or without the check engine light on? The check engine light was not on. Um, <laughs> okay. I guess what I was what I was going to say, though, was like, you know, the if the tank's 25 or 26 gallons, that fuel economy at that distance, like. It's not like you're towing uh, in an RV where the tank is, I don't know, 80 gallons or whatever. I could literally yep. watch the gas gauge go down, and I was like, oh, this is, this is weird. It's, uh, it, it's, it's so bad to put fuel in, like, something with a tank that big. Um, it's so bad that I really don't know how big my tank is in my RV because I can't aff- I've never been able to afford to fill it up. <laughs> I have no idea how big it is, but, yeah, you the gas gauge doesn't drop as fast. The uh, I don't know, big diesel stuff and big drag is is stupid. We should we should work on on low drag setups. Maybe we should all put skirts and like moon discs on our wheels, skirts That's on the sides idea. of our sides I'm of our down. trucks, and um, you know I think I think lowering uh, lowering vehicles uh, also helps with fuel economy. Yeah, the, the the less the less area like it'll it'll put less air underneath the thing too. Yep. Um, and you're just moving a little bit smaller air column, basically. So I think maybe we should we should put airbags on your RV and just slam the thing. It uh, I'd have to do like a big four link in the back and stuff. That'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah, dude, we could section the frame out. Hell yeah, dude. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, it. It actually could probably if there's so much spring on it right now, I bet you the thing could drop six inches and there'd still be travel between the uh, axles. Dude, and it looks it looks so good if you drop the six inches. That's crazy. It. Uh, 
you'd need to be able to lift it up because the over the ten foot overhang in the back would hit everything. But uh, let's just put uh, some some casters back there. Uh, have it like a Lamborghini, where it's like uh, you know, it's got like the front end lift and the back end lift kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, it'd be fine. Just, just hit a button and the thing raises up. You know, if you if you take those uh, take those dips faster, um, you know, you don't have to deal with it as much because it it's happens in such a less short amount of time. Dude, that thing would look so sick slammed. Holy Dude, shit. Dude, it'd look, it'd look awesome. I think yeah. we should do it. It's so heavy, though. I don't even want to, like, dick with with uh, suspension. Like, what if it breaks? The, <laughs> everything would have to be so big, uh, like the biggest Heim joints ever. Well, yeah, I mean, and, it, you just have to do stuff from 18-wheelers. Yeah. Yeah, it, literally, you could probably – that's what 18-wheelers have. It's basically, like, giant drag link setups, and then the airbags do the lifting. But Yeah. The uh, man, it would look cool slammed. I've never even thought yeah, about dude, lowering it. It would look awesome. That would look totally rad. <laughs> it looks sick. You could park it at the car show at Midwest Festival. Hell yeah, dude! With that stance pose, with like the wheels cocked about thirty degrees up front, man, it'd be awesome. Dude, and then and then you wouldn't worry about the steps anymore if the steps were just on the ground when it was parked. You wouldn't even need any steps if I get it low enough, man. It'd be like a one yeah, step. Dude, in. it'd be it'd be just, so great. Just deflate the bag and lay frame, man. <laughs> it could be so fun. Yeah, now I'm going to have to slide underneath of it next time I go back. It's parked outside of my building at work. I'll just slide underneath and see how low I can make it. <laughs> it's probably, it's probably, there's probably a decent amount there. Dude, the spring stack on that thing is six inches oh, it's tall. gigantic, yeah. It's like literally six inches tall in the back. So. Can we just, why don't we just flip the springs? I don't know if that's going to work. But. No. Although maybe maybe I could put the springs yeah maybe I could put them under the axle instead of over the axle oh yeah I mean that's four inches five inches right there by itself I'll, I'll have to look at the frame clearance and the and then like the the other problem might be that the uh, man we talk about some random things on this one don't we <laughs> <laughs> the, the other problem might be that the uh, the drive shaft is only like a foot long so it would have like a giant change in I'd have, I might have to like change the angle of the trans and engine. <laughs> so, the drive shaft is definitely not big. It's a very short drive shaft. But. I mean, you could get another drive shaft made. Well, uh, no, I mean just the angle, like the U joint angle, might be the problem. Ah. But ah. It uh, it probably wouldn't be too hard to change the angle of the trans and engine, though. Well, why don't we just? I bet uh, it would be why easier we... to change the angle of the rear axle. Well, I mean, literally, like it would probably be if it would probably be pointing upwards, like the 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 U joint the U joint. Like, you can only have, like, five degrees of deflection in a U-joint or something. Well, let's but. flip the axle around and put a V-drive in it. What's that mean? Like like what boats have, where it, you know, it drives a drive shaft into a box, and oh, then yeah. there's a yeah. gear that goes back, and then it sends power back the other way. Oh, this sounds totally doable, right? <laughs> sounds affordable <laughs> to me, man. Yeah, like a $10,000 custom, uh, like, I don't uh, know how big the box. RV modification market is. What kind it's of aftermarket small. support you think you'd get? We're, I think we're kind of the mo the RV modification market. That's about it. So much about RVs is like, like people people like when they modify them, they're like, man, look, I painted this wall. Holy shit, it's modified. <laughs> I think I have the most modified RV that that I've ever seen. Um, well, you got to like straight a couple... pipe that bitch, man. That's like the first thing you did. It's already, it, dude. It sounds awesome too. Yeah, yeah. I straight piped it this summer. Did I tell you that? Yeah, yeah, I heard yeah. it. No, I didn't. Know, I didn't know if Abe knew that. It sounds oh, okay. sick. 
Yeah, that was like a forty-pound weight reduction too, because of the uh, the the loss of the biggest muffler ever. And doesn't it run like like a hundred degrees cooler now too? Yeah, it definitely runs cooler, and it's EGTs. definitely getting it's definitely getting better mileage. Like it's yeah. crazy. Uh, I think it was. I, th- I think we averaged, um, and I, I don't know exactly because I can't fill it all the way up, but. Um, I think we averaged a guesstimated, because uh, of the amount of fuel that we used to get the tank back in the same spot on the way there and the way back, in like a 1,400-mile round trip, I think we went from like six last year to seven this year. It's not uh, bad. No. That adds uh, up. I, and, I, and I was probably pulling about, or moving about 1,000 less pounds this year uh, also, but anyway. That's true, and I mean, pretty much the run from uh, from Chicago down to Atlanta, it's all it's all downhill, right? Uh, I don't you know. know. Is it? I mean, well, you're is. going from you're going from the north to the south, so it's all downhill, right? Uh, yeah, that's how it works. That's <laughs> I know d- downhill in culture for sure. The so. <laughs> 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 I don't know. I don't know about what the elevation change between here and there is actually. No, I was just. I was just yeah. kidding. It, it actually might be though. It might be lower there than it is here, but not much. Uh, it's actually it's higher. Is that more mountain there? I know you got Atlanta. Go well, Atlanta is higher um, sea level comparatively. Oh, it is. Okay. Yeah. I kind of would have estimated it's lower, but I guess it is. Uh, you're kind of up there in the mountains, sort of. But yeah, you're uh, you're on top of the Piedmont Plateau, is what they call it. The plateau. The Piedmont. I'm looking plateau. it up. Yeah, that sounds Atlanta. Fancy. Atlanta is at 1,050 feet in elevation above sea level. What's Chicago? Chicago is probably like right at it because you're right there by the Great Lakes. I, I think we're, I think we're in the Chicago. Ah, uh, never mind. Chicago's yeah, 594. Never mind. Yeah, I thought we were, I thought we were somewhere around there. Los Angeles is 285, which is weird on average, right? Yeah, like yeah. Huh, that's weird. Canyons, canyons, huh. canyons. Yeah, man. Speaking of canyons, 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 I got to find a new uh, a new pastime now. Yeah, they burned them all down. Because all my freaking canyons, canyons, canyons have all been burned. That sucks, That man. sucks. So now I'm going dirt biking. Hooray. How uh, how bad are all, like, the cool... Are the roads okay, or...? Um, well, like, one of the bridges actually burned, so that's wow. cool. Uh, I haven't been up there yet. Yeah. Um, since the fires, but well, like the whole, the snake, like the Moholland snake, the popular, like one and a half or two mile stretch of road. That's actually kind of anticlimactic, um, yeah. you know, compared to what I had it built up in my mind, uh, pretty much all of that burned like yeah. around there. So you know, it's like super far away from you, but I found, uh, whatever highway is around Ojai. I really enjoyed driving that. Oh yeah. 33, ago. 33 going North out of Ojai. That was great. Yeah, I did that when I picked up that VFR um, in San Francisco and, and wrote it down. So, which, by the way, that thing is in like a million pieces right now. Yeah, you took it all apart so that uh, so that you could fix everything coolant-wise, huh? Yeah, the water pump went out, so I was like, well, while everything's apart, I'm going to go ahead and do the, like, I'll do all 13 coolant lines, because it has right. 13 coolant lines, because Honda's stupid. It's so many. <laughs> Dude, it's so many. And I went with silicon, too. I, I'm hoping that they don't water doesn't permeate too much for a daily rider. Because um, I was like, that's a big thing with silicon hoses versus rubber. Yeah. You know, they're they're more durable. They, they do better with heat, but they do allow water vapor to leak out over time. Hmm. So all of your coolant actually stays in. Um, but the actual, like, water density 
changes because the water actually can essentially get through the silicon. Really? That's the part I've never heard of. Yep. Interesting. So, yeah. So, you know, if you if you have silicon hoses on the car and you notice the coolant levels lower and you think you're burning coolant, that might not necessarily be the case. Like over the over the course of like thousands of miles. Yeah, so like apparently on a on a 18-wheeler that's running silicon hoses for the coolant system, um over the course of a year, if it runs two uh two shifts a day, so I yeah. guess that's like 16 hours a day. So it's a decent amount of use. Um, you'll lose five gallons of water a year. Holy cow. Yeah. You know, you might've just figured out where the coolant has been going in my, uh, in my truck forever. Oh, has it been disappearing a little bit? It uses about two quarts a year. And you're using silicon coolant hoses? I've got a bunch of them in there. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably what it is. That's so, so when bizarre. You, when you top it off, don't add any more coolant to it. Just add distilled water to it to bring it back up to oh, the Oh, I don't add level. distilled water. I just dump a bunch of water in there. I just yeah. flush. I just flush. <laughs> just whatever. I just flush that stuff out every uh, couple of years. He just gets the garden hose and he's like, this is fine. <laughs> no, but I that's, literally that's... just get the garden hose and then I dump some coolant in. I'm like, nice. yeah, that's got to be like 30, 40, 50 percent. Who cares? No, so it's, it's actually something that I've never known about until just last week when I was doing some research. Yeah, you just told me about it. That's interesting. Yeah. Man. Yeah, so, you know, kind of an interesting story. I actually, you know, I was doing some research, and then I, I was Googling, and one of the articles that I found uh, was actually from Mike Kojima at Moto IQ like nine years ago, yeah. back in 2009, and he was writing about it. Moto IQ, I hear that's a good website. Yeah, Moto IQ uh, will, uh, <laughs> there might be some some things that we start doing with Moto IQ soon, so yeah. everybody, um, everybody stay tuned. I, I, I've loved Moto IQ ever since they came out. It's did did it, did they start Moto IQ like right, roughly right when Sport Compact Car stopped? Um, I don't know if it was when Sport Compact Car stopped or uh, it had to have been because Modified was still around in like 2011. Yeah, I know it was a pretty it was pretty close to the time that Sport Compact Car shut down. Yeah, man, I used to love Sport Compact Car so much. It was the best. I still do, dude. Just such a good magazine. That's well, pretty much. I mean, uh, that's. That's where I got my love of cars from, kind of, or at least the the style of modifications that you and I and Abe enjoy, like yeah. the functional ones. Well, yep. like something I always really enjoyed and why I gravitated to Moto IQ was, uh, you know, there there are a lot of places that can give you the the how and the what with modifying cars, but not as many people spend time on like talking about why you do a certain thing or why you'd make a, a choice to do this versus that. And so I, I always liked the technical aspect of it. Yeah. Yeah. Super technical articles. Like that was the, that was the reason I like sport compact car. It wasn't just, uh, so many articles like in Honda tuning and stuff were just surface level stuff, you know? Yeah. And like import tuner, when import tuner was around, they had like good articles on, you know, parts like they would put the parts on it and dyno it and stuff like that. But it didn't go into like the real details of why it was making more power. Right. You know, it'd be like, hey, this is a downpipe. Uh, we dynoed at stock. We dynoed it with the downpipe. Here's the difference. And they'd overlay the graphs. So, like, yep. they started to get technical, but they didn't explain why running a downpipe like that might actually help make more power. Right. And and they usually didn't even talk about what were the air-fuel ratios and or what was what tuning was done or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yep. But the way, the way Sport Compact Car was written back in the day, you know, it, it wasn't – 
it was technical, but it wasn't written on like an engineering level technical. You could still yeah. read it and be a dumb high school kid like I was. Yeah, be a dumb college kid like me. Yeah. And they've kind of carried that over, um, you know, with Moto IQ. Yeah. And they do a lot of different articles. I mean, it's super varied. It's basically like whatever whatever Mike Kojima's buddies are doing, like they're making <laughs> that's what they make the articles about and they're all doing yep. cool stuff. So Yeah. Well, I remember I think we need years I think back we need to have with... Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say I think we need to have Mike on soon. Yeah, I think we're planning on doing that. Oh, you didn't send that email. Send you an email, didn't. Austin. I do need to send an email to get that set up. Yeah. Yeah, we had a we had a call with Mike Kojima yesterday. So but, uh, we got to get him on the podcast. Come. We got to get him on the podcast. So, so I remember when that uh, when the website was like not full of information, the the number of project cars that they had weren't very many. And if you go to the website now and you look at their projects list, there's probably like four dozen project cars that are just like from different contributors and like full builds with many many articles. It's it's really cool. Yeah, that's that's the thing I literally like the most about it. Uh, is because it's it, it's kind of nice to be able to like it, it's like it's kind of like the Netflix model of TV. Like on a magazine, you got to wait like months before you get like the the next article. But now with something like that, it's like oh, you want to click on this project and then you can read articles for three hours <laughs> about the only the only about thing about one that, like, car. The only thing I do miss from print is that remember at the bottom of a lot of the magazines for a long time, it would always say display until. Yeah. You know, and it'd give you a date. So you knew like that date was when the new magazine was going to come out. And like, I look forward to that for like a week or two leading up to that date. Yeah. You know, and I, I I don't want to say I was more appreciative of, you know, having that content then, but the, the internet just makes it so easy now. There's just so much stuff out there, which is great. Yeah. It it almost, it almost ruined it. Like, and, and like the, the binge TV watching has changed people's patience so much too, I think. And it's kind of like for me, it's the same way with music. Like back in the day when you had to buy a CD, you'd buy a CD and you'd listen to it all the time, know every word to every song, you know, know the order that all the songs were in. Now you just like open up Spotify, like figure out a band that you like, put it on their radio to listen to other bands that sound just like them. Yeah. Or Pandora or whatever. And and then you don't even know who's who anymore. It all like starts blending together. No, it all changed, man. The internet broke everything. And so, but us, that is and, one thing. That's one thing that podcast. I do. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's one thing I do like about Moto IQ, though, is I feel like they're not just like flooding the market or like you know flooding their website just with like breaking news and all of this stuff. Like, there's still a lot of thought that goes yeah. into their content releases and stuff like that. So, well, not just uh, that. But there's there's like some kind of uh, permanence with what they do too. It's not just like a constantly refresh news feed. I mean, they do that, but. Uh, you know, if I wanted to go back to a build journal on Evo 10s, that's always going to be there. Yeah, yeah, like it's a it's a repository of of information. It's basically what we wanted Tracktune to be, but we didn't have any money and uh, we burned ourselves out in one year. <laughs> so, that's true. But yeah, the uh, I, th- at I least think we it's still, at least we kept the podcast going. No, I, th- I think it's a it's I think it's red, and I'm stoked that the podcast might have something to do with it. So, um. That, I guess that's a that's a uh, a blatant hint of what might happen at Memorial. <laughs> <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. So, and I would like to maybe uh, maybe write more articles someday. Maybe I'll maybe Michael let us write for him. So. That'd be pretty cool. 
I haven't written anything for Grid Life in what, like a year. So yeah. well, I, haven't, I haven't written for Track Tuned in like a year and a half or two years, and I feel bad. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, I don't think anything's been posted on there in a while. We had such a streak going for a while, dude. Oh, dude, it was great. We, we like, were doing like four days like a eight, week. Eight months, yeah, like eight to nine months. I burned myself out so bad I haven't even wanted to type. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, for, for the longest time, it was just me and you. Yeah, and we'd grab a few articles here and there. But other than that, it was... Yeah, and then you want the article to be like, great, so you need to make sure you put a bunch of time aside. And if you couldn't put a bunch of time aside... You just wouldn't even get started, right. which is the, what I tend to do with things. The uh, that that happened at like just the right time for me because Emma was like, uh, she just needed to have like a person keeping her alive at that point, mm -hmm. and so and so Emma could just sit on my lap and I would write an article. But now she's like a person that needs to hang out with people, and so now there's no free time anymore. So mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, I can't I can't sit down in the morning and uh, and and have a a kid who didn't want to sleep just sit on my lap. Um, because she's 45 pounds and she'll hit me in the face. <laughs> so, <laughs> she, she was like seven or eight, 10 pounds back then. So. All right, dudes, we're in for about an hour and I have some more Thanksgiving food to cook. So I am going to drop off the line. Yeah. Cool. Well, make sure you send some of the food my way, man. I'll mail it to you. <laughs> yeah, what did we even talk about on this show? I think Diesel's. we made a show. RVs, arrow. Um, I don't know. Yeah, we did. Uh, we did talk about a lot of weird things. It went by really quick, though, just as they do. That's that's when you know it's a good show. Oh, you know what? Uh, I did have one piece of news for uh, for you two. Uh oh, Ooh. you Somebody, haven't told us about it? Uh, no, it, this just came up. That rash finally went away. Uh, it did. It did. Okay, you, perfect. I gotta, yeah, you got to stop giving me rashes, you dirty boy. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I I've been having thoughts of not owning the Fraser anymore. Oh mm -hmm. no! I've seen and, that in the chat, and somebody is uh, there's somebody coming to look at it on Friday. Oh really? Yeah, and we're doing and and if he wants it, it sounds like he wants it like bad. He's driving like four hours. Um, we'd be doing a trade for <laughs> uh, uh, it's a what it's a it's a cool race car class that it's the only other class that's really intrigued me in SCCA for a long time. Um, and Ryan Kristoff has a car that fits it. So. Oh, in GTL? <laughs> yeah, it could be awesome. Sick, dude. <laughs> so I'm. Uh, I might have a new. But there might be new shit to talk about soon. I'm kind of. I'm kind of excited about the potential. I'll let you know next next week. So that'd be awesome, dude. Just what you need, another race car. I burned myself out bad on the Fraser, um, and it's so beautiful, and I love it. But I also like. I'm afraid to drive it because I have a child and a wife that depend on me, and it's very tiny. But. Um, this would be like a ten-year or five-year kind of kind of term race car project, but maybe there'd be mm -hmm. more race. There might be more race car projects in the in the future for me. So, because I have a sickness and I'm a bad person. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm like trying to convince Ashley that I need another race car, also, or at least the way I'm describing it is: I have the race car, and the Evo is like not a car that I want to be turning laps in. One, because it's too fast, but two, it's because it's, it's too expensive to drive. Too many consumables. So. I also want a track car, and a track car is for turning laps. Yeah. So Abe needs a rat. Abe needs a little dirty rat. <laughs> so I, I don't know if that's like a TSX or a Fit or something, something that I can just beat on for a while and like put gas and oil in and call it good. Yeah. Anyway, so maybe more race car projects uh, next time. But uh, yeah, I'm slacking, yeah. man. I need to get a new car. Oh, and I'm uh, I'm just about ready to paint the interior of the hatchback, so we're almost there. 
Hooray! Yeah, man. I'll be actually doing real assembly work on the interior soon. So Nice. I do apologize to listeners about the background noise of me driving home from uh, the job site, but uh, it looked like on the levels on my on my thing that it was okay. And Abe is smart. Maybe he can figure out how to make it go away. It's probably fine. Yeah. Well, it's a kind of a loud truck, but... Uh, it'll be better. No, than, it'll be better than Skype or Facebook Messenger. Oh, that's well, like, what in the yeah. business they call ambiance. Ambiance, <laughs> ambiance. That's right. <laughs> All right, All right dudes. Buddies, have a good Thanksgiving, guys. All right, take uh, it easy. See you, dudes. See ya. See ya.